Afrika Rise and Shine Afrika Zosa Afrika Amuka na Unai Good morning and a very warm welcome to Africa Rise and Shine. This is Channel Africa from an African perspective, coming to you live from Johannesburg in South Africa on DSTV's audio bouquet Channel 802 and on www.channelafrica.co.za. I'm Lulu Gabu in studio with Nosile Zuma and Tabisolo Hoko. In our top stories on Africa Rise and Shine at the Sawa, the National Police Commissioner Ketlas Tole says the South African Police Service is systematically identifying and rooting out corruption and rogue elements within its ranks. South Africa's public health response hailed as one of the best in the world. And in economics news, Kenya is betting on the newly passed Receipt System Council Act 2019 to cut post-harvest losses for local farmers. But first up, the news with Nosite Zuma. SABC News. Independent and impartial. From an African perspective. Thank you, Lulu. Good morning. The World Trade Organization's bid to select a new leader was plunged into uncertainty on Wednesday after the United States rejected the Nigerian woman proposed as the Global Trade Watchdog's next director general. Just six days before the U.S. election, in which trade is a hot topic, Washington struck another blow at the WTO, which U.S. President Donald Trump has described as horrible and biased towards China. The Trump administration has already paralyzed the WTO's role as global on trade by blocking appointments to its appeals panel. Now it threatens to render it le- its leaders it, it leaderless for weeks or months to come. The WTO has called a meeting for November the 9th, less than a week after the election, by which time it hopes to have secured full backing for Nigeria's Ngozio Gonchorela. South Africa's health department says 1,863 more people have tested positive for coronavirus, bringing the total number of people who've been confirmed as having the virus to 719,714. The ministry says another 58 people have died from the disease known as COVID-19, bringing the death toll to 19,111. The recovery rate from coronavirus remains at 90%. The main opposition candidate in Tanzania's election, Tundu Lisu, has claimed widespread irregularities in the polls, saying there was evidence of fraud in Dar es Salaam. President John Magafuli is standing for a second term in office. Lisu says he received reports of widespread irregularities and his party's representatives were being prevented from entering polling stations. The BBC's Grant Farad has more. Tanzania's opposition had already denounced restrictions ahead of the presidential, parliamentary and local polls. Independent media had been periodically shut down in recent months and disruption of social media continued into polling day itself. President Magafuli called for calm when he cast his vote. On Tuesday, there was violence in the semi-autonomous islands of Zanzibar. Police denied allegations by the opposition that 10 people were killed. They said no one had died. President Magafuli's party, the CCM, has been in charge in Tanzania for nearly 60 years. 
Ivorians will this Saturday, October the 31st, go to the polls to elect a new president. One of the four candidates contesting in the presidential election is calling on voters to cast their ballots after opposition parties ask their supporters to boycott the polls. They have called for a boycott accusing the electoral authorities and constitutional council of being biased and unable to guarantee a fair election. Dozens of would-be candidates have been barred from running in the election, including former President Lauren Gbagbo and ex-rebel Chief Goliamo Soro, who both played key roles in the 2010-2011 crisis. At least 30 people have been killed in clashes in different towns since August, when President Alassane Ouattara announced he would run again. NUS infectious disease expert Anthony uh, Fauci has criticized President Donald Trump's political rallies in the final stages of the election campaign, saying they are likely to spread the coronavirus. Trump is on a massive campaign trail in hopes to win a second term in office. He will face his Democrat challenger, Joe Biden, at the polls next Tuesday. The BBC's David Bamford reports. Dr. Fauci, speaking to the BBC, said that any gatherings of people not wearing masks or socially separating were potentially super-spreading events. He cited the recent outbreak among Trump administration staff at a gathering at the White House. Dr. Fauci also said he believed a U.S. national lockdown would be effective and was not off the table. He acknowledged that there was an economic cost, but the Australian example, in which badly hit Melbourne was closed down until there was not a single remaining case of coronavirus, showed that lockdowns can be very effective. For Channel Africa, I'm Nosile Zuma. Up next, your sports bulletin with Figile Lungwati. In our sports update this hour, I'm Figile Lungwati. We begin with athletics. Athletics South Africa, ASA President Alex Kosana says they will cautiously welcome the return of athletics on the local front after more than seven months of inactivity. The athletics season was abruptly put on hold in March this year following the spread of the coronavirus pandemic track and field events will return to full swing from the 1st of November with several meetings planned for both Gauteng and the Northwest Province between the 1st of November and the 8th of December. But Athletics South Africa President Alex Kosana says they will be very cautious in their approach of retaining the sport of athletics. We are not excited at this point in time. We will only be excited after this competition. One or two or three or four of them in different provinces have taken place and we receive a 100% negative uh, coronavirus. Uh, then we can be able to say, yes, we are happy. But there is no need for us to, be, to, to jump before we realize what is going to happen on the ground. We need to be extraordinarily cautious because COVID kills and it kills people. It does not kill things that are dead. So we are very cautious in terms of protecting our artists and those who are working. Still with athletics, Athletics Namibia's Grand Prix series resumes at Windhoek's Independence Stadium this weekend, while two more events have been planned for the coming weeks. The Grand Prix series started at the beginning of the year, with the first three legs taking place at the Ritfontein, Ojiwarongo and Swakopmund. However, due to COVID-19, Athletics Namibia's program had to be shelved in mid-March. But now, seven months later, they plan to complete the season's inactivities. At the press conference in Windhoek, Athletics Namibia President Ewin Namiwaka said 
the fourth and the fifth leagues of the Grand Prix series will be held over the next two weekends at Windhoek and Oshakati, respectively, while the national championships will be held at Windhoek on the 13th and the 14th of November. And finally, Golf News, Brendan Todd launched the best season of his career by winning last year's U.S. PGA Bermuda Championship and hopes to continue the momentum when he defends the title starting today. A 35-year-old American is a top-rated player in the world at Port Royal Golf Course this week at world number 41 and will try to become the first player to defend a PGA title since Brooks Koepka at last year's PGA Championship. That's your Sport News this hour. SABC News. Independent and impartial. From an African perspective. It's 7.09 Central African time and you're listening to Africa Rise and Shine. The National Police Commissioner Kesha Sitole says the South African Police Service is systematically identifying and rooting out corruption and rogue elements within its ranks. This follows the arrest of two Gauteng police commanders for alleged fraud and corruption relating to firearm license applications. Brigadiers Singange Samuel Maredi and Zolega Joyce Kuboni appeared in the Kempton Park Magistrates Court on Wednesday. They have been released on 3,000 rand bail each. Their arrest brings to 28. The number of people arrested in connection with this alleged fraud, among them 17 police officers. Tsepo Pahan reports. The two police brigadiers were arrested during a joint police operation on Tuesday by members of the Western Cape and National Anti-Gang Units. Maredi, who is the station commander of the Kempton Park Police Station, and Kuboni, the station commander of the Ruodipot Police Station, were reportedly being investigated by anti-gang unit detective Shalkinia for their alleged links with a firearm license racket before he was assassinated in Bishop Lavis in Cape Town in September. Kinia was due to make the arrest personally. National Police Commissioner Vish Naidu says the investigations into the alleged fraud relating to the firearm license applications started three years ago. During November 2017, security companies were involved in crimes of extortion in the Western Cape province relating to firearm applications in Gauteng. In January 2018, it was found that several other people, family, friends in Cape Town, obtained their competency and licenses to possess firearms as well as temporary authorization to possess firearms in an alleged fraudulent manner. Investigations revealed that the applicants all made applications in Kauteng area but more so in the Saps Edenvale, Norwood and Kempton Park stations. Information was received that the applicants would go to a gun shop in Kempton Park where they would do a proficiency test to make an application for competency to possess firearms and ammunition. It emerged in court during the two police officers' bail hearings that Maredi was previously the station commander of Edenvale Police Station and Kuboni of the Norwood Police Station. The arrest of the two brigadiers brings to 28 the total number of people arrested in connection with these cases after the 26 people were arrested earlier this year. Of the 28 arrests, 17 are police officers, of which two are retired and 11 are civilians. It has now come to light that among the arrested civilians is alleged underworld figure Nafis Modak and some of his family members. 
Modak was also present in the Kempton Park Court on Wednesday where he successfully applied for his bail conditions to be amended, among others, allow him to travel outside Cape Town. National Prosecution's Authority spokesperson Pindi Mjonondwani. The case all in all has uh, 28 accused persons. So Mr. Modak is one of those accused persons. So it's just that um, the investigations, the way they unfolded, hence we have three uh, different charge sheets. The prosecutor is awaiting authorization to combine all 28 accused into one case. The two brigadiers are facing charges of fraud, defeating the administration of justice and contravention of the Firearms Control Act. Naidu says contravening the act is a serious criminal offense. The Firearm Control Act um, is in place to ensure that there are proper processes that must be followed in terms of the application for firearm licenses, the renewal of firearm licenses, and if these processes are circumvented in any way or manipulated in any way, it actually defeats the object of having such, a, uh, such an act in place. And I think in respect of these 28 arrests that have been made, where there is clearly evidence to show that in some way or the other, um, these processes have been manipulated and in some cases even circumvented. The case against the two brigadiers and Mordax have all been postponed to the 26th of February 2021 where the state is expected to serve them with the indictment. They are all currently out on bail. That report by Tsepo Pahan. Some of South Africa's opposition parties in Parliament have criticised Finance Minister Tito Mboweni for allocating 10.5 billion rand to South African airways. However, the ANC has welcomed Mboweni's medium policy budget statement in which he also announced that public sector workers and representatives would take pay cuts. Lula Mamadia reports. Mboweni delivered the medium-term budget policy statement in Parliament. He allocated billions of rand to SAA to implement its business rescue plan. UDM Chief Whip Ngabayom Zikwangwa says this year's mini-budget is a confirmation that priorities are skewed and things are falling apart because the center doesn't hold. Well, it's confirmation that the country is broke, that the ANC has spent, spent the past 10 years uh, wasting all the state resources, turning a blind eye to corruption. For an example, how do you explain that you are asking public servants and civil servants, including public representatives, to make sacrifices, take pay cuts, which you're okay with, it's a discussion that you must enter into, but at the same time you are bailing out SAA. The AIC, IFP and FF Plus have also expressed consent that the national fiscus is being used to continuously bail the cash-strapped airliner. FF Plus leader Peter Grunewald, AIC MP Lulama Jayisa, and IFP MP Ngosim Zamobutelezi say this should not be condoned. What we can't understand is that he said that there's no money for bailout to SAA, but now suddenly he's got the 10.4 billion and he's taking that money from, as he says, conditional grants which goes to local government level for water sanitation, 
those essential services, but he's taking that money away for SAA. No, there's really nothing new, ne? nothing remarkable. But then we were expecting this. But to my, our great surprise, now when another 10 billion was to be added to SAE. But of course, there's nothing to be done because we've got to have this national airline. But before we give money to these uh, SOEs, we've got to check and get and catch people. People have got to be arrested because there's corruption there. We are not saying that money should not be given, but we should see people being arrested. And also the funding that is given to uh, South African Airways. We are hoping that the minister will speak in terms of bringing a private partner in terms of running that uh, state-owned entity. Because every money that has been pumped into all the state-owned entities have never given the results that we intended before. The ACDP has expressed concern about the escalating debt levels, while COPE has warned that rating agencies have monitored the budget speech. Steve Swart of the ACDP and Willy Matisha of COPE elaborate. 95% debt to GDP is very high with the debt service costs escalating every year. That crowds out very necessary economic and social expenditure. The key is economic growth, increased government revenue to bring down the budget deficit. In addition, we say that those corrupt officials must be locked away and the ill-gotten gains must be recovered. This will help balance the books. Is that they are talking about the downgrades, which will lead to the rejection of the financial acquisition from the other services. Now, we will go on. There will be problems in the country. There won't be any uh, movement forward. We are not going to succeed altogether. The DA has accused Mboweni of breaking two commitments he made earlier. The party claims that Mboweni previously said that SAA would not be allocated funding from the national fiscus and the debt would be under control. The party's spokesperson on finance, Jordan Hill-Lewis, says Mboweni is doing the exact opposite of what he had said. Uh, we are unfortunately disappointed in the speech today because... The minister has made two commitments, two major commitments in recent years. The first is to get debt under control uh, by 2023, was his commitment, and that there would be no further bailouts of state-owned entities. Unfortunately, he broke both of those promises today. The first is that he's going to bail out 10.5 billion rand extra for SAA, on top of the 16.5 billion that they received in February this year. And the second is that debt is not getting under control. Actually, it's going to continue to grow until 2025-26 with an extra trillion rand. That's with it. The ANC in Parliament has welcomed Mboweni's budget speech. The party's chief whip, Pemi Majodina, says they will make sure that there's effective oversight as well as the implementation of the announced plans. Majodina says they want to ensure that the alleged corruption that happened with COVID-19 funds doesn't repeat. In terms of corruption, we are not mincing words here. Whoever is found being corrupt, he must just be sent straight to orange overalls. He must wear those overalls, and but not only to wear those overalls, he must pay back the money. And uh, our law enforcement agencies are waiting for them. For the past two weeks, we have seen what is happening, and we appreciate, irrespective of who has done it, the ANC is not going to support any corrupt individual. 
across the globe every second there's always a breaking story Kulta Njoe for Channel Africa Radio in Ethiopia's capital Addis Ababa Reporting for Channel Africa I'm Hilda Kekeloa in Zambia Our cutting edge and hard hitting journalism leaves no stone unturned giving you the whole picture every time George Muhango Channel Africa Blantyre Reporting for Channel Africa this is Moki Kinzeka in Yaoundi. From an African perspective, listen to Channel Africa in English, Kiswahili, French, Silozi, Portuguese, and Chinyanja, informing the world about Africa. Join us every day and know what is happening around you. Channel Africa. When I think back to my childhood, geographically, it reminds me of a time where I was black and only black and only struggling but at the same time always reaching for something more something bigger in a South Africa that was hostile Hello Africa This is 1000 African Voices and I'm your host Avurengwi Join me on Channel Africa every Thursday morning between 8 and 9 and on Saturday and Sunday morning between 9 and 10 Rise Africa Rise Channel Africa from an African perspective It's 7:21 Central African time and you're listening to Africa Rise and Shine. We're coming to you live from Johannesburg in South Africa on DSTV's audio bouquet channel 802 and on www.channelafrica.co.za. The trial against South Africa's opposition EFF leader Julius Malema and Member of Parliament Mbuyiseni Ndlozi continues at the Randburg Magistrates Court today. Yesterday's court proceedings were marred by a lot of drama including the banning of the media from streaming the event live after a cell phone of one of the camera operators rang during court proceedings. State witness Police Colonel Johannes Fenter took to the stand and detailed how he was assaulted by Ndlozi and Malema at the funeral of the late struggle icon Mamawini Madigizela Mandela in 2018. Abongile Dumako reports. It's been an eventful day at the Randburg Magistrate Court during the appearance of EFF leader Julius Malema and MP Mbuyiseni Ndlozi on Wednesday. Best to take to the stand as the trial resumed was Colonel Johannes Fenter, where he detailed how he was assaulted by Ndozi and Malema during the funeral of the late Winnie Matikizela Mandela in 2018. He told the court that he spoke to the two at the Fowes Memorial Park where Matikizela Mandela was being laid to rest, asked them not to enter the graveyard using a car, but walk through as there was no space for other cars, only for the family members. Outside court, thousands of EFF members gathered to show support for the two EFF leaders. Party Deputy President Floyd Shivambu told them that this matter will soon pass. The lawyers of the Commander-in-Chief have now demonstrated to the court 
that what the guy wrote in the statement on the day they tried to prevent the commander-in-chief from burying Mama Dikizela Winnie Mandela and what he said today and what he said several times are three different things. How should we trust Fenter? Meanwhile, back inside the court and in a shocking turn of events, Magistrate Leland Punsami ordered that all cameras filming the live court proceedings involving EFF leaders Julius Malima and Buisen and Lozi be switched off. This after one of the operator's phones rang in court. But on Thursday, when the trial resumes, cameras will be allowed to film live proceedings in court. And EFF leader Julius Malima thanked the thousands of party members who spent the day in court to support them. We must never be threatened by racists who are trying everything in their power to undermine the unstoppable revolution. So we'll talk with you tomorrow and we want to thank you for coming out today in your numbers. We know today it's very hot here in Joburg. The CCTV footage of the incident showing the alleged assault of police Colonel Johannes Fender by Malima and Lozi at the Fourways Memorial Park has been played at the Randberg Magistrates Court. The trial continues with two more witnesses expected to take to the stand, followed by both Julius Malima and Buisen and Lozi on Thursday. I'm Abongile Dumago in Johannesburg. South Africa's former Minister of State Security and ANC MP Bongani Bongo and 10 other co-accused have been granted 10,000 rand bail by the Nelspruit Magistrates' Court in Bumalanga. They are facing charges of fraud and corruption. The court says Bongani Bongo and his brother Sipo are facing Schedule 1 offences. The other suspects are facing Schedule 5 offences. Mtobisi Mkalipi reports. Bongani Pongo, who is currently an ANC MP and chairperson of the Home Affairs Portfolio Committee, appeared in court along 10 others, four more co-accused at different companies. They are facing charges of fraud and corruption. The others are facing additional charges of money laundering. They allegedly colluded and bought three farms for government with inflated prices. This resulted in the Department of Human Settlement losing about 124 million rand, but appeared on charges related to only two farms. The state says the charges related to the third farm will be added during their next appearance. NPA spokesperson Sipom Gwema says they welcome the 10,000 rand bail granted to the accused. So this is but one leg of a much bigger investigation. You know that today only two transactions um, were spoken about. There's another one uh, which probably is going to be in the next um, indictment but uh, there's many other farms because this was a much complex and convoluted scheme uh, in terms of these properties so yes that investigation continues and uh, there may be further people that may be added to the charge sheet when they appear next time. Bongani Pongo was the head of legal services at the Department of Human Settlement when the alleged crime was committed. However, Pongo says the case is politically motivated. If you look at what I said when I was arrested in Cape Town about this sequence of arrest and the abuse of the, the state resources for selfish political ends, I think it is continuing. But those who are doing it now, they have known that uh, in the Cape Town charge there is no case. There's no case because we have been given by the state an affidavit from one of the state witnesses 
that uh, Advocate Vanara was actually uh, having his own things, was actually bought to do whatever he has done about the Cape Town case. They are saying this is a 2010 matter, but today they were telling me that they are not even clear with the charges. They are still going to look and add some of the charges because they are not clear on what I must be charged about today. Bongo says he is still seeking legal advice regarding stepping down from his position as per the resolution that was taken by the ANC on members who are facing criminal cases. I have spoken to the leadership, the SGO about that matter, and I said, I want to know the legal basis of the, the stepping aside. And what does it mean in practical terms, particularly in Parliament? Because uh, you can't put a leaf of between now and next year March. And what does it mean in the constitution of the ANC? And what does it mean in the constitution of the Republic? The constitution of, of the Republic says everyone, Section 35 says everyone who's charged is uh, innocent until proven guilty. And I think everyone must be accorded that right. Their case was postponed to the 4th of March next year. I'm Tobi Simkalipi in Bombela. It's 7.29 Central African time and you're listening to Africa Rise and Shine. We're coming to you live from Johannesburg in South Africa on DSTV's audio bouquet channel 802 and on www.channelafrica.co.za. Across the globe, every second, there's always a breaking story. What we want to achieve is a healthy and vibrant economy which can ensure full employment to our people. The government concurs with the views of the Black Economic Empowerment Council report that it is now necessary to make our policies on Black Economic Empowerment more explicit. Last May, I asked constituencies at NETLE to discuss youth employment incentives. I'm pleased that discussion have been concluded and that agreement has been reached on key principles. We are on an ambitious drive to industrialize, to attract investment and to create more jobs for the youth of our country. They don't have jobs. Tried looking for a job for it's a year and a half now. The challenges were periods and the, the level of education which I have. Channel Africa. It's 7.30 Central African time and our headlines up next with Nosile Zuma. SABC News. Independent and impartial. From an African perspective. A court in Mali has sentenced two men to death over attacks that targeted foreigners in 2015. India has crossed a grim milestone of 8 million coronavirus cases. And U.S. infectious disease expert has criticized President Trump's political rallies in the final stages of the election campaign, saying they are likely to spread the coronavirus. I'll be back with your full bulletin at 8. SABC News. Independent and impartial. From an African perspective. 
Thank you, Sihle. South Africa's public health response has been hailed as one of the best in the world. Delegates at this year's BRICS Business Forum also commended the cooperation between South Africa's government and a business, which led to the establishment of Solidarity Fund aimed at pooling financial resources to fight COVID-19. For more on the key outcomes of the forum, particularly looking at how the BRICS countries intend to tackle global health challenges, Africa spoke to Dr. Stavros Nikolaou, a council member of the BRICS Business Council South Africa chapter. The healthcare uh, session was eagerly anticipated this year, not least because of the significant global impact of the COVID pandemic. So you'll understand that there was a lot of interest uh, and a lot of discussion around uh, the role that BRICS plays generally in, in healthcare investment or that uh, the various BRICS countries uh, play in healthcare investment, but also more particularly, how were the BRICS countries assisting uh, to mitigate what is the single biggest public health emergency that we've experienced in the past uh, 100 years? The, uh, the outcomes uh, were, and as you would expect, most of the discussion centered around COVID, the responses, synergies and collaborations around uh, the COVID pandemic. Uh, there were three main outcomes. Uh, the, the first one was uh, an acknowledgement that uh, most countries around the world, but specifically in this instance, the BRICS countries, are, are underinvested in healthcare. So the per capita spend on healthcare by the various uh, BRICS governments, including our own government in South Africa, there is an underinvestment at a per capita level, and there's a requirement. That, uh, that generally speaking, uh, levels of investment on a per capita basis are, are to be increased so that we can more optimally deal with pandemics of this nature and any future pandemic that comes around, whether it's a silent pandemic or, or one that we're experiencing at the moment, which is infectious-driven. The, the second outcome was how do we um, best optimize the BRICS collaboration to respond to pandemics of this nature? And there were uh, a number of thematics around that. The first was that we clearly need to set up a, a permanent structure, permanent public health structure that uh, is able to exchange information and best practices. The, the second thing would be uh, a greater collaboration around both therapies and, and vaccines. And what's very interesting for me is that three, three at very least, uh, three of the five BRICS countries are uh, are well developed in terms of both uh, vaccine capability, technologies, and capacity. And I include South Africa in in the three. Um, South Africa uh, has has two manufacturing entities that are able to produce uh, vaccines. Um, the first is a company I'm involved with, Aspen Pharmacare. So Aspen has significantly invested in sterile capability. Uh, most recently, a 3.4 billion rand investment in sterile capability, which we announced two years ago. We're very far down the line in, uh, in executing on that investment commitment. That investment commitment does give us uh, a sterile capability, some of which we, we would utilize for vaccine manufacturing, 
there are two types of vaccines capabilities at that facility, the Aspen facility. For Elizabeth, the first is what we call a, a liquid fill, a vaccine liquid fill capability. And the second is something we call lyophilization, which converts a solution into a powder form, which improves the stability and shelf life of the product. The influence of uh, the BRICS countries uh, in the international arena has risen enormously in recent decades, isn't because each country has unique characteristics in terms of uh, health performance and global health diplomacy and the countries are also moving towards universal health coverage. Was it also the feeling at the forum that uh, COVID-19 has perhaps reversed uh, some of the progress made with regards to universal health coverage? Look, I don't think it necessarily reversed it. I think what it has done However, it's it's, uh, it's exposed significant fault lines. Not, not only in healthcare, you can uh, you can work your way across just about every sector in the economy uh, of, or the economies of these countries. So I think rather than uh, rather than diluting the need for universal coverage or the conversation around it, I think it's exposed fault lines. And probably the biggest fault line is how much uh, ongoing investment is required in healthcare. Uh, I made that point early on. And in particular, and I cannot emphasize this point sufficiently, if there's anything the listeners want to sort of uh, remember this conversation for, it's the following. The, the need for public-private partnerships and public-private collaboration is now more manifest and required than it's ever need, needed to be. And um, COVID has certainly exposed that for us. I, I must tell you, however, that the BRICS delegates listening to our session were particularly impressed with South Africa's public health response. Uh, listeners will know that uh, the response required the South African public and private sector to work together. We came under the umbrella of solidarity. The solidarity Fund was established in South Africa. It's completely unique. Uh, sitting at Aspen, uh, we operate in, in over 60 markets globally. Products are sold in 150. And when I engage with colleagues in those markets, there's no other country in the world where the principle of solidarity and setting up a solidarity fund to cope with the pandemic um, is it, totally unique to South Africa. No other country experienced that. So these are the positives that we can build on. And these are also the lessons that we can teach the rest of the world. And overall, the feeling was that South Africa's public health response was a very good one. And it shows in the numbers. Our mortality rates were low. Our hospitals were not uh, overcrowded and or overburdened. But it doesn't detract from the fact that we need a much closer public-private collaboration moving to future. And that's Dr. Stavros Nikolaou, Executive Director of Aspen Pharmacare and a council member of the BRICS Business Council South Africa chapter speaking to Kumbeda Munjelele. WHO recommends 30 minutes of physical activity a day for adults and one hour a day for children. If your local or national guidelines allow it, go outside for a walk a run or a ride, and keep a safe distance from others. If you can't leave the house, find an exercise video online, dance to music, do some yoga, or walk up and down the stairs. 
Avoid touching your eyes, nose and mouth to slow the spread of the coronavirus. For more information on the coronavirus, visit the World Health Organization site at www.who.int. I am an African. I owe my being to the hills and the valleys, the mountains and the glades, the rivers, the deserts, the trees, the flowers, the seas, and the ever-changing seasons that define the face of our native land. Masterclass Africa, where great minds connect. An explorative one-on-one talk show that seeks to tackle issues of leadership and consciousness on the African continent and around the world. Masterclass comes to you every Fridays, 8 o'clock to 9 o'clock Central African time. Channel Africa, bringing you the African perspective. For your latest update on COVID-19, that is the novel coronavirus, I'm Hilda Kekera for Channel Africa in Livingston, Zambia. When someone coughs or sneezes, they spray small liquid droplets from their nose or mouth which may contain the virus. If you are too close, you can breathe in the droplets, including the COVID-19 virus if the person coughing has the disease. At 7.41 Central African time and you're listening to Africa Rise and Shine, coming to you live from Johannesburg in South Africa. Now, despite South African Police Minister Begi Kele raiding a Santon club over the weekend, it's business as usual for most nightclubs and restaurants in Johannesburg. Social distancing is not being observed and establishments are packed to capacity with party-goers having fun without their mask on. The health department says this is a call for concern. Horisana Sitole reports. This is a regular scene in one of Jobek's most happening nightclubs. Patrons can be seen dancing and drinking without adhering to lockdown regulations protocol. They are without masks. Neither they are keeping to social distancing guidelines. This party goer says as much as they like socializing, she's afraid this could make matters worse. Now they're not wearing masks. But they're like, it's, a free, it's like it's free. We are back to that same Shesha Island. I'm not at the same. That's it. I'm not going to sanitize. I'm not going to sanitize. Again, I'm going to I'm not going to go to the However, another patron has a different view. Another restaurant. Yeah. I think, you know, it's fully ill. You see, I'm going pressure, economical pressure. Theoretical, Mara. It's just that we're not designed to, 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 to wear masks. In July, Justice and Correctional Services Minister Ronald Lamula announced that not wearing a mask in a public space in South Africa is a criminal offence. But a restaurant owner says it's almost impossible. A few days ago, there was a speculation that the country could go back to level 5, an allegation President Sarah Ramaphosa refuted. The Department of Health says this issue of people drinking without masks is worrying. 
Acting Head of Department, Dr. Anban Bilei. First concern is people not wearing masks, and the second concern is that uh, some people do have masks, but they seem to be using them incorrectly or not appropriately at all. I think certainly that in such establishments, firstly, there needs to be distancing. So in other, in other words, people need to be at least a meter away from each other. In fact, more would be better. One and a half to two meters would be best. Uh, and then secondly, they should be having their masks on and only remove the masks when they're actually consuming something. NCID's Professor Lucille Bloomberg also agrees. Uh, avoid crowding, wash their hands. But I think these are very important uh, to try and reduce transmission. You know, tired of COVID, uh, they want to socialize and, and we have to try and, you know, get back to um, as normal as we can, but masking is critically important. That report by Horisani Sitole. Every child should be comfortable in their own skin and embrace diversity. This is according to former South African public protector advocate Tulima Donsela, who just launched a children's book, Milo's Kingdom. Madonsela says this book embraces values such as integrity, truth, love and courage. Pearl Makubane filed this report. Melo's Kingdom will take your little ones on an African adventure. Melo, a character named after Tuli Matonzela's granddaughter, Melo Muhle, goes on an adventure with her purple elephant named Nzinga, meeting friends and other animals along the way. African proverbs and some biblical values are incorporated in the short stories, and there are fun activities in the book aimed at educating children in an engaging way. Tuli Matonzela says African fables and proverbs were part of a staple diet when they were growing up, and her hope is for families to go back to this tradition. We thought a hardcover book would be the right thing to do during COVID-19 because families have found themselves sitting together and often watching the same thing over and over again might be alienating. So we're hoping that they would carve out to read the stories and then play the games together the way we used to do when we were growing up. Increasingly in the digital age, people, particularly young people, feel unseen and unheard. And a lot of sociologists and psychologists are saying this is one of the reasons we're having a rise in violent extremism, anger and societal fracture. She hopes that through the book, wisdom, knowledge and values will be passed down to the young ones. Well, it's values of integrity, honesty, courage, love, kindness, compassion, and hope. And these are the values that I grew up with. By these stories being told over and over and over, they created um, a particular mindset. But I also do hope that one of those values is being grounded spiritually. These uncertain times, when mental health has become a problem, it helps to feel anchored in the power that created you. Matonzela is well known for her courage in fighting against injustice and corruption. This helps 
to make sure that there are few people in society that would be corrupt, that would steal, that would lie. No system can function through policing alone. You need the majority of people to know the right thing, to do the right thing, and to hold each other to account. But I do hope that in terms of integrity and ethics, the children that are going to read this book and, and grown-ups will also look at ethics such as the ethic of care to embrace diversity and not discriminate against each other just because we don't look alike. Every child, boy or girl, should as early as possible embrace who they are, their cut, their hair, their body and everything and understand that they are part of a diverse world, they're not an accident. Matanzela says it is extremely important that children are grounded in the right values and instilling the love of reading at an early age gives a child an itch. Pilma Kubane, Johannesburg. It's 7.48 Central African time and our economics update up next with Tabisolo Hoko. Thanks, Zululu, and good morning. The World Trade Organization's bid to select a new leader was plunged into uncertainty on Wednesday after the United States rejected the Nigerian woman proposed as the Global Trade Watchdog's next director general. Just six days before the U.S. election in which trade is a hot topic, Washington struck another blow at the WTO, which U.S. President Donald Trump has described as horrible and biased towards China. The Trump administration has already paralyzed the WTO's role as global arbiter on trade by blocking appointments to its appeals panel. Now it threatens to render it leaderless for weeks or months to come. The WTO has called a meeting for the 9th of November, less than a week after the election, by which time it hopes to have secured full backing of Nigeria's Ngozi Okonjo Iweyela. The organization undoing tax abuse, Alta has issued a warning to the South African government that if it does not reverse its decision to bail out SAA, it will take its call for national boycott of SAA to an international level. Alta is calling on South Africans and businesses to boycott the national carrier. Following the announcement that government has allocated a further 634 million US dollars to allow for the implementation of the restructuring plan, including the paying of retrenchment packages to staff. Outer CEO Wayne Duvenage. So hopefully this is a message for government to take stock of this potential threat against the airline and make a different decision. International tour operators, we can find out as a civil action movement who is flying. We can list and publish companies that are supporting SAA and going against the call for a boycott because we don't need this airline. South Africa's finance minister, Tito Mbowene, has proposed to redirect 416 million US dollars from the public employment program to the COVID-19 social relief grant. 
cabinet has extended the 21 US dollars to the end of January 2021. Mbobini says government will also allocate 772 million US dollars in this financial year to employment initiatives championed by the president. The temporary increases, unfortunately, for the top up of the grants will have to come to an end, unfortunately. The provincial equitable share is augmented by 7 billion rand to support jobs at fee-paying public schools and government-subsidized independent schools. 600 million rand goes to employ early childhood development and social workers. De Beers mining operations in Namibia has added some bad news to the company as a whole between July and September this year, with overall output decreasing by 43%, the lowest quarterly production in the last seven years. The operations through Namdeb only recorded 242,000 carats worth of diamonds recovered over the above-mentioned period, way below the normal average of 300,000 carats per quarter. The 242,000 carats were split between 147,000 from Deb Marine and 95,000 from Namdeb's land operations. Last year, the same quarter brought in 426,000 carats with Deb Marine at 320,000 and land operations at 106,000. Raymac Consultants, a diversified Zimbabwean company, has been granted a permit to import pure breed rabbits to help bolster commercial rabbit production in the country. In a statement, the company revealed that it had been granted a permit to import more than 200 pure breed rabbits from South Africa. Zimbabwe Commercial Rabbit Breeders Association Secretary General Regis Nyamakanga said the development would help in scaling up commercial rabbit production in the country. The U.S. dollar is trading at 380.82 Nigerian Nara, 11.25 Botswana Pula, 108.1 Kenyan Shilling and 20.42 Zambian Kwacha. In BRICS currencies in Brazil, 1 U.S. dollar costs 5 rubles 72 Russia, 78 rubles 23 India, 78 rupees 23 and China a dollar is changing hands at 61.71 and in South Africa it will cost you 16 rand 30. The US dollar is also trading at 76 pence to the British pound and 85 cents to euro. Looking at commodities markets, gold is trading at $1,901 and platinum at $877 per ounce while Brent crude oil is 3% lower at $39 88 cents a barrel from an African perspective. Africa, rise and shine. Africa, Zorza. Africa, Amuka. 
Well, that's a wrap of Africa Runs and Shine today. For myself, Lulu Gabu, producer Luanda Maume, technical producer Dumela Mugwena, and the rest of the team, thank you for joining us. For comments on our show, send us an email at infochannelafrica.co.za, WhatsApp on plus 277-6300327, or tweet us at Channel Africa One. And taking us to the top of the hour for the news is Beautiful Onyinye by P-Square featuring Rick Ross. Goodbye and keep safe. So I was all alone, was so bad. And there she goes. She touched my heart and said, "The best in her nose will go." Was so glad. The way she keeps me smiling, it brings me joy. She proves this love in the street. Within my heart, there's no. What a beautiful So you want I can fly away Straight to the sky Just you and I Girl I know the lie Can't you see You were sent from above And you know you're my heart and my sweetness Is this love, is this love I don't know but I know what I'm feeling My princess, the way she keeps me smiling, it brings me joy. She proves this love in the street. Within my heart, there's nobody else. Make you give me your head, let me take you. Back of my mind, all I see is her. Turn up the music, we bump in P-square. 
Number one in the game and we gon' be here huh. Always making hits in my convict huh. We talking money or you talking nonsense Making slow love to my baby gal Got them big trucks pulling up everywhere You only live once and that's the anthem All your negative energy feed cancer I can look into our eyes for my whole life We can make love for the whole night huh. Take my hand baby I just wanna be a man baby Yeah, yeah, yeah 